Hello everyone, my name is Jen Torres and I am a God, and so are you. Like many of you, I was raised to believe that if I just prayed hard enough, God would save me. As it turns out, that was actually true. I saved me. At the age of 15, I became pregnant with a beautiful baby girl who dropped in just in time to save my miserable life. This was my first awakening. This podcast is about all of the words and listening to those words to begin to envision what is possible. Because sometimes, as individuals, we feel we need to know everything, have it all together, and be everything all of the time. But that's why we live in a world filled with other people. Each person holds a piece of the puzzle. It's about being open to new information, new ideas, and new perspectives. We're going to talk about all of the topics surrounding what it takes for you to step into your God Goddess. Journey with me as we uncover all things living self-actualized and in your inherent divine God state. This podcast is about doing whatever it takes to develop and nourish the God in you. Hello, everyone. Today's episode is super interesting and unique. I have a guest on that is here to talk about baby-centered sleep. She's actually a coach in this field and a mother of five, and she is a pediatric sleep coach who specifically works with infants, younger children, and parents, and working very close with mothers, and she has developed what's called a baby-centered sleep uh, system to improve sleep for all of the different temperament types, which we get into in this episode, with tear-free nurturing sleep methods. Meredith hosts a podcast called the Sweet Slumber Podcast, and which trains sleep coaches and mentors and guides and consultants as they fine-tune their abilities to get their business thriving. So she is all about uh, coaching parents and babies on how to be nurtured in the realm of sleep. So Meredith is this beautiful soul that I cannot wait to jump right into this episode with her and dive into these methods. So without further ado, let's jump into this interview. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another brand new episode of the She's a God podcast. My name is Jen Torres. I'm the host of this show and a human design reader. So I'm super excited today because we get to talk to Meredith Bruff about sleeping and all of the things with your babies and sleeping. So she does a lot of different things. She's a manifesting generator in human design. As you heard in the bio, a little breakdown of what she does and a little bit about what she, her history and what she does. I really want to jump into this topic because I know there's a lot of mamas that listen to this uh, podcast and I think it's just a fantastic thing to learn more about sleep time with our children and how we can best navigate that and and I just, before we get into uh, the nitty gritty with all of it, I just want to say that everybody here on planet Earth 
has issues with sleeping. I don't care who you are. Like, honestly, there's just, even if it's tiny, like you might sleep too hard. That's an issue. Snore too much or like all of these things. And then on top of it, babies having issues with these things just makes it harder on the parents. So I really love this topic. I love getting into this and, and finding somebody who's in such a beautiful little niche pocket of this type of thing. So Meredith, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I'm really looking forward to this. Yes. Tell us a little bit about yourself and like, how did you even begin this? How did you get into this type of uh, work? Yeah, sure. So I am a mama in my heart. Like that's always been so important to me. Like I had to remind myself as a young married woman to, you know, prioritize my husband (laughs) because... my kids were just everything. And I've always been a kid person. So I spent like more than 30 years working with children. I had a daycare in my home. I've got these five kiddos. And my first one was this awful sleeper. But honestly, he's probably normal. It was just really hard. It's always hard with your first one knowing what to expect and so many things. But I was really exhausted. And he depended on me for everything. And that's what was hardest about it is that dad couldn't help. I was the one getting up at night. I was the one that needed to get him to sleep nursing. And so when I got pregnant, when he he was like 14 months. He wasn't even sleeping well yet. I was terrified. I was so anxious that when people would congratulate me, I'd almost burst into tears because it was just so scary to me to be up with two kids at night and to have two kids depending on me for 24 hours. With my childcare experience, I thought that things would be easier. <laughs> But there's just nothing like motherhood where you are on duty 24-7 and often the preferred parent or the one that's providing the most care, you know. So I love seeing couples take care of babies, children together. It just makes my heart so happy for the mamas. Oh, it's such a good thing. Anyways, that kind of sparked some things like learning about sleep and I got really lucky. I didn't realize that I had pretty easygoing kiddos. So I was able to read one book, which I don't focus on because I don't really use that approach anymore. But it had a lot of holistic principles that work for all kids. And since they were easygoing, I had success pretty quickly and easily. And my second, third, fourth, fifth kids, they all slept for about 11 to 12 hours by two months old. Wow. That's like almost unheard of. I was so lucky, but that's why I kept having babies. You know, like my life was pretty doable. It was predictable. There was structure. I could expect nap time to have breaks. I could, you know, maybe that gave me time to be with my kids and my older kids. And then being able to be rested each day just is completely a game changer when it comes to to having a big family. But I also, crazy me, loving kids so much, had a daycare just with a few kids. I didn't have a huge one. And it was a benefit to me to get those kids on a schedule and sleeping well. And so it usually took about a week. That's it. They come to me with all stories, being up a lot at night. And I didn't teach the mothers or fathers anything. I just, I just did my magic during the day and they would sleep for eight hours within a week. So it's pretty, pretty exciting for the families too. And so I got a lot of joy out of that. And I just thought of it as this little gift and this fun perk for the families. <laughs> Didn't really take it seriously, but I did have like people come to me and ask for help and family that wanted my help. And then when I stopped having a daycare, I was working in the schools, there was a lady I was asked to help through church. She was in the middle of a move and she, she was 
suffering. She was struggling health-wise, and she also had postpartum depression and anxiety. She had twin two-month-olds, and they were not thriving. They were snacking every few hours, you know, an ounce or two of milk, which is not good, taking 15-minute naps every three or four hours, which is not what newborns need. <laughs> but they did that in the night, too. So mom never got breaks, and she was already sick, and she was already struggling. And during this time that I was helping, it was a move. A boyfriend walked out. So she just felt completely broken. <laughs> she told me that night that she wanted to die or give them up. And it was really, really sad. It was it was heartbreaking. And I knew I could help. And so I did. And I actually took care of the babies. I had them overnight and brought them back. Totally different babies. Thriving. You can see in their faces. And they were gaining weight. That They were just thriving. And they were sleeping for eight hours. So that was my wake-up call where I was like, yo, whoa, this is... <laughs> This is a big deal. Like I just saved a family and I love how it felt. And it didn't take long for me to find out that was my calling. Wow. Oh my God. That gets me emotional <laughs> because I had a vision. Like I really want to go out and, and help the world. And I've never really let go of that idea. Wow. So, okay. I have to just go back for one second. You have five children. What are the ages out of curiosity? They're 15 to 23, and the oldest has a baby, so I'm a grandma. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I did not know that. I thought they were all, like, little still because you look so young. So, like, I did not know this at all, and I cannot believe you're a grandmother. So, wow. And, the, wow, what a beautiful story, too, to be able to recognize your own gifts through that situation of the mom having that hardship and be able to regulate her kids in this way. So I have to ask about this, this work that you do with sleep and children. How, what, is there just a specific remedy that you have that's like quick and easy? Or how would you recommend that like moms start to, where can moms start with this with their own children? I'm really big on helping parents understand that it's not quick and easy and it shouldn't be done quickly unless you have a very laid back child. And people know when they have a laid back child. They're the, the predictable baby that this is what everyone thinks babies are like. They're the ones that are just so easygoing and chill and they don't really get worked up and they, they never fuss much. They're just such easy kids. That's the type of kid or maybe one who fusses a little bit, maybe when they're hungry or tired. That's normal too. Those are the kids who people can usually move quicker. Maybe they use some holistic ideas like let's work on the schedule. Let's work on improving naps. Let's make sure we have a bedtime routine and that we've got the right lighting in the room and um, we're using white noise and swaddles and all the things. And that works for these families. And some of these kids are so easy that they'll, they'll be sleeping well in the first couple of weeks. That's so crazy to me, but it happens. So I specialize in highly sensitive and high needs. So these are kids that are a lot more in tune with their bodies, whether that's the energy side or it's going through development and feeling overstimulated inside or uncomfortable in pain inside because they're growing and their brains are developing. It's crazy because we can't relate to that. Like we can't think back to what it was like when we were little, but I sensed that this was really affecting kids sleep. And then I started learning more about something they call wonder weeks, mental leaps. That's when the brain's developing. There's studies done and there's, there's uh, resources out there. And these kids that are more sensitive, it really disrupts sleep. So that's where sleep regressions come in. And some of these these kids are going to sleep pretty good. And then 
some development will hit and they won't sleep good. And it's going to be a roller coaster like that. And that's just part of the nature of those babies. And so instead of telling you how to, where to start and what to fix, <laughs> I'm focusing more on the fact that babies are different because there's even studies about that, about how kids sleep differently, how, I don't know what the percentage is, but a large number of babies are signalers. That's their natural response at night. They're going to signal. They're going to want you there all the time. They're going to want to be close to you and need your help. Independence is so far off the radar for them. And then there's the other group that they call self-soothers. And that's that's the first group I talked about, that they're just really easygoing kids. They're really chill. So society has based expectations around those kids and it, all the sleep methods and sleep solutions are geared towards those kids. So I'm really passionate about helping the other ones because they need something different. They need their parents to be very receptive and responsive and connected and patient they need a lot more comfort. So actually, that's where I like to start is just really helping parents understand their kid, understand the nature of babies, how dependent they are, and that they don't have a built-in system to cope, to calm, to comfort themselves, even though people think that. And that actually doesn't start developing until four or five years old. So we have to be really patient. And being that support system to them is what will help them build the neurons, the pathways to be able to handle stress and to be able to turn inward and calm themselves later. So this is a huge thing, you know? So anyways, I'm sorry for rambling, but that stuff's so important before we really look at sleep because support is how we help these babies thrive. Yeah. I, what I'm picking up there is that it's important for parents to understand how their babies are different, right? Mm -hmm. And you explained how society generally will create things for children to sleep better, like lights and the whole swaddling thing and all that. And for, a, you mentioned two specific types of babies. What was it? What were they? The signalers and the self-soothers. So signalers and self-soothers. And with those two types of babies, for example, signalers, like how do you know you have a signaler baby? How do you know you have a self-soother? And like, how do you know what are the other types? Well, what's cool is that that's what my quiz is. So I have a quiz on my website and on my podcast that um, you can take to find out. And I categorize them into three types of babies but there really are just the two kinds. And it's just like other disorders, though. I'm not saying it's a disorder, but where there's spectrums. So I find that kids aren't going to fit exactly into, oh, you're completely a self-soother or you're completely a signaler. Kids can be somewhere in the middle. I think parents who are listening right now, they know if their child is one or the other because they're probably thinking, that explains a lot. Thank you. <laughs> so one of the things about these babies is the signalers are going to take longer to sleep well. And you could do all the things right, and it might still take one or two years till they're sleeping like these other babies. It could be longer. And that's where I come in though, is I, I try to give tools that are going to help babies sleep as well as possible, as soon as possible. And so we, we kind of change the goal. So with a signaler, I'm saying, hey, let's just try to get six to eight hours of sleep. If we get up to 10 to 12, I'm going to be super excited for you, but understand that you're going to be having more of a roller coaster with regressions. So I do a lot of coaching on how to handle those periods and a lot of reassuring that parents are okay. They're not spoiling the baby. They're not sitting themselves up for a scary future it's it's really tricky stuff it really is so yeah I just think it's really nice for parents to be able to go in and take that quiz though if they have any question and they're wondering about that potential or like the timeline or anything like that 
So I'm going to link the quiz in the show notes of the podcast for easy access for you guys too, if you are interested in taking that quiz to see what type of baby you have. And, and like Meredith was just saying, there's a spectrum too as well. So you'll know if you know whereabouts your kid lies within that. And then um, I know you also have a podcast, which I recommend people checking out as well. Um, what is the name of your podcast? The Sweet Slumber Podcast. Sweet Slumber Podcast. And in that podcast, you mentioned the temperament test. Now, is that something that's similar to the quiz or is that different? Oh, look at you with your question. That's good. So sleep temperament quiz is the one that I just talked about. Temperaments are a different topic because there's, you know, it depends on who you talk to because there's different philosophies about this. But the lady that I have learned from, and this is the person that I refer to or the information I refer to is uh, Tracy Hogg. Uh, she wrote The Baby Whisper. Is that what it's called? Secrets of the Baby Whisper. And she has a temperament test in her book. And I took that test for infants and the one she wrote for toddlers. And I use that to figure out my client's babies. So it's something that they fill out when we first start working together. And it gives you summaries, kind of like a personality test that would say you're this type of person. But because of your background, I know you're going to agree with this, that people aren't just one type of personality. They're not just this like, oh, you fit into this little category. When parents look at the summaries of the temperament test, they pull out lines of at least three type. And there's, I think there's five. It's also common to have different traits from all five. And so I look at the answers to the questions. And that's what I learn from when it comes to helping the families, because I can learn a lot about maybe a baby's adaptability, predictability, how they handle things, how sensitive they are. And I definitely learn what sleep methods to use because I, um, even though I support babies' optimal well-being, like someone who believes in bed sharing and attachment parenting, I believe it's important to foster independence because we have so many women who are not surrounded by a village. They don't have grandma taking care of things. They don't get to have one or two years off to go back to work. Or maybe they have a really tough kid and bed sharing or holding baby in a chair all night doesn't work for them. I don't blame them. People, they need me, you know, and they need that or they want that independence. And I do it in a way that's kind and loving and supportive. And it's more like the natural way that kids become independent as opposed to forcing it on them. I love that you just shared about that because I think it's important for them to understand too, like how your survey is different, different from the temperament test and how with the temperament test, it sounds like, you know, once they hook up with you and talk to you about it and go deeper, that's going to give them even more information on the baby and cast even more of a light on how different their baby is from, let's say their other children or their siblings growing up or, or how they experienced it, um, sleeping in their life, which is really important. So how have you mentioned um, finding this woman, you know, uh, taking her temperament quiz and all of that. And I know you have five children. So like, how did how did these methods and help your kids? And how did they take an effect on your life? Well, I can definitely look at my kids and see how different they all are. I mean, every single one of them is so different. And, you know, we have some uh, mental health issues and learning disabilities in our house. And so that definitely plays a factor as well. I didn't have this information when my kids were little. I found the temperament test in my first year in business about five, six years ago. So I wish I'd had it. But what I love is being able to pass this on to to moms and, and actually anything that I can do to give them an advantage with the insight and the things that I've learned over the years is is huge because I'm just helping them, you know, leap ahead and their confidence and their 
um, ability to understand their child and, and know what their child needs. But it was a struggle for me when my kids were little, just trying to figure them out, how different they were, what they needed. And honestly, I was still trying to solve things like that when they were 16 to 18 years old. It was really hard. They got diagnosed with ADHD, all five of my kids, like three years ago. So my youngest was like 12 or 13 and he was in eighth grade and struggling in school. And yeah, so we've been we've been uh, searching for answers for a long time, but it is really great to get answers when it points you to solutions and ideas and it helps you understand your child because then you have less frustration and confusion and, you know, you can be a better parent when you understand your child. And so that is a huge goal of mine when I work with people. So I love that you brought that up because the sleep side of things is important. I have to know what solutions are right for a child and I have to help parents adjust expectations and approaches. But I really want to give them an understanding of their child so that they can enjoy them and get along with them and be the best parent. So I give them resources too for, you know, a highly sensitive child or the very active spirited kind because they're really tough to raise. I would love to talk more about that, like the highly sensitive child and the highly spirited child. So for people who are maybe just getting into this topic and understanding it, can you explain like what you mean by highly sensitive uh, baby? Yeah. So the way you would know if you have a highly sensitive baby is that they cry a lot and it's really hard to figure out why. They can be really confusing. Grumpy babies can be that way too. They can be kind of colicky and fussy and you may not find your answer. So the difference between them and the sensitive ones is you'll probably figure out what's bothering them. Maybe it's their tummy. Maybe they're allergic to the detergent you're using. Often they've got reflux or gas or something like that and they're just uncomfortable all the time. Sometimes allergies with food. That's so tough. But the, the main thing that I notice with these kids is they're sensitive to stimulation. So it could be your touch. Like maybe they want to be laid down and not touched. That's, that's hard. Um, maybe it's just the, the bright lights that they're the type of child who wakes up when there's the slightest noise. So yeah, there's a lot of different types of being sensitive. But in my work, there's two things probably that stand out. One is that these are kids who need to be held to calm down. So, th- so if you lay them down and they cry and you don't pick them up, the crying gets worse and worse. And then you pick them up and they stop instantly. And people think that's that they've created a monster or something, but no, it's all about like the feel-good hormones, co-regulating and needing touch to feel safe. And it's also like a connection and bond with the parent, which is really beautiful. Um, But the other thing that I notice is if parents can tell these kids have a lot of sleep disruptions, you know, like it just comes and goes, maybe it's a week and then everything's okay. And then there's another week where they're like really cranky and um, they're hardly sleeping and all things are crazy. That's, that's development. So that's when we can tell there's some brain development or they're going through a growth spur or they're teething. So that's a big, I guess, sign to me that Even if they fill out a temperament test and it doesn't say that their child is sensitive, if they need to be held to calm down or they are sensitive to development, then they're sensitive. Wow. Yeah, it's it just reminds me of my my niece when she was a baby. She was she was definitely a sensitive baby. But of course, we didn't like, you know, I almost feel like when you were just explaining all of that, I'm like, I feel like there should be a pamphlet for moms when they just have their kid that they go home with and the pamphlet should 
should say, do you have a highly sensitive child? The hear how you know, and it should like link to your website with a bunch of training videos or something. Because like, honestly, like moms need to know like what's going on. And like, I know for a fact, you know, my, my brother and sister-in-law, there was no way they knew what was going on with her. Um, she would, let out scream this blood curdling scream that would literally stop the entire neighborhood in its tracks like it was just so loud and and then it was also she would um she's gonna kill me if she ever hears this but like she's she's 21 now but um when she would also bang her head on the wall and stuff like that so like I didn't know if it was issues with you know now now looking back at it I'm like oh my god it could have been so many things it could have been the food that was really messing with her it could have been the sound and you mentioned the touch of you know, maybe fabric on her skin. And I know she was highly sensitive because, you know, as she grew older, she, we couldn't take her to see fireworks because it was too loud for her. And then she had like a trauma around trying to do track as a kid, but the gunshot um, really messed with her and she couldn't do it anymore. So it's like she had really, she was, she's probably clairaudient and can really hear things that most people can't hear. And she's likely very gifted and all of these things. But of course, this was all stuff I didn't know. You know, I was so young when she was born and myself. And so this is my much older brother. And, um, and looking back on it now, I'm like, Oh, my gosh, there's so many things that could have been that were really bothering her. And she just was highly sensitive and spirited, like you say. Yeah, well, so the highly sensitive piece can come into play for people who have ADHD. I'm highly sensitive. And some of my kids are and it's it's a lot to deal with because we have big, big, big emotions and we overreact to things. And that sometimes it's like overexcited, like happy. It's funny. I should see my son sometimes when something makes him happy. It's hilarious. But also getting hurt so easily. And like when you're hurt, you feel like someone's trying to kill you. I mean, it's like really, really intense. So if you can imagine a baby being uncomfortable and having those feelings intensified, magnified much more than we can relate to, we're just frustrated. We're like, what is wrong with you? We just don't get it. it, You know, what's interesting is one time uh, one of my students, she was a newborn care specialist. So she goes overnight and helps families, um, basically a trained nanny. She was going through my course and she said, you know, I always understood that young babies will wake at night and I understood they needed help going back to sleep, maybe go in and pat and settle them or whatever. But it never occurred to me that they actually are uncomfortable or in pain. And she's like, that's just been such an eye opener for me. And I find that that's true for parents too. And they're, it gives them so much more sympathy and patience. Like, I don't need to be mad at you. I just I somehow have to get through this. One of my clients says that my voice is always in her head when she gets up with her babies. In her head, she's hearing over and over, they just need you right now. They just need you. That makes me want to cry just thinking about it. So it's important to understand them. It's really important so that we don't, I guess, dehumanize them. Because I think that's what happens when people sleep train. They're like, you know what? I'm desperate for sleep. This isn't sustainable. I'm just going to have to do this so that we can all sleep better. And they think that sleeping better is the most important thing, but really it's harmful because we want to set our kids up with the healthiest future with the relationship that we form with them, our own habits that we create in responding and being there for our kids. And also it affects their brain development and their health in every single way to not have or to have that type of support. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And it's so helpful for everyone all around. Like you were saying too, like the parents, the obviously the children and just the entire family as a whole. So I love this. I love the idea of just diving deeper into like what type of baby you have, even the basic understanding that your child is different than one baby can be much different from another baby. And how is it that they sleep? Like what questions do you need to answer in order to know what's going to be best for them in their sleep cycle that will ultimately help them in their day-to-day life, which of course it's a trickle effect helps the parents in their day-to-day life and then everybody's happy. So I would love to know how, how can people work with you? Like how can, how do you work with people? So I do coaching on Zoom or on video as like the first step after filling out quizzes and questionnaires for me is we meet face to face and we talk about the information they shared and their questions and I give them the first week's plan. I break it down because I don't want anyone to be like, oh, overwhelmed. That's a lot to work on. So yeah, we we do little bite-sized steps and um, I stay in touch with people. I offer tech support or another call the next week and we just move through from week to week until things are completed, at least their part in what they can do. So my programs are usually six to eight weeks long, ideally, but I do offer a three-week course and consultations for those who maybe they need to spend less money or their child's more easygoing. But one thing that's cool right now is that some insurance companies are covering my services. It's such a blessing. To work with me, you set up a call and there's a couple places to do that on my website. So just go to sweetslumbertime.com and look up services, look up the contact page and you just set up an appointment. We chat. I also have my sleep coach school. So if anyone loves this topic, a mother who wants to keep working from home, sorry, switch to work from home or doesn't want to go back to work or whatever it is, that's a really good fit for you. People who love to learn about health and all things baby, it's a really good fit. So yeah, there's a tab on my website for that too. You can learn about the school. I'll be opening a session next couple months. And then I offer a mastermind to follow up with those students to help them be successful. Awesome. Now, is there anything else you wanted to add about just this topic? I mean, I feel like so many moms listening to this are probably like, I didn't even know this existed. Like a sleep coach for my baby. What? Like, and how that can change everything. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I did forget to say that there's a discount code. She's a God 10% off of any of the programs, even the sleep coach training. I'm glad you asked that because when you started our conversation, you talked about how everyone struggles with sleep and a a lot of the struggles that we have are normalized sleep disorder signs. If you snore at all, that's a sleep disorder sign. It's not normal. If you breathe with your mouth open, that's a sleep disorder sign day or night. If you have, you know, restless sleep or your child does, that's one. But there's there's so many signs that people just think are normal or maybe they see them on TV and they're like, that's cute. That's funny. Um, my grandbaby always had his mouth open and his parents thought that was adorable. And I was like inside going, oh, no. <laughs> So that's actually a whole nother topic we could go into later if you wanted to, but there are things to take seriously and talk to the right people about. Unfortunately, doctors often don't know this stuff until you have health problems. And then they'll sit down and go through the questions with you to find out when they can't figure out what's going on. That's kind of what happened with my husband. But if you go to a, a dentist, sometimes they can help you. And there's someone called a myofunctional therapist that specializes in mouth disorders and airway and sleep. It's so cool. And they don't try to you know do everything themselves. They actually 
actually send you to the ENT or the allergist or whoever it is that can help you with the different issues you might be having. Wow. See how in depth and like layered this is like, holy smokes. And it's all around sleeping and just how we can sleep better. And I think that's so huge. Like, like people who have chronic sleep issues, they live a disoriented life. And I know people this way. And so it's just so important that, you know, people always have that old saying like, oh, sleep like a baby. But it's like, how true is that? Like, (laughs) are you really sleeping like a baby? Like, like are babies really sleeping like a baby? like, are they struggling? And I like just what you said there too, even about the just basic things that you can look out for, like a mouth breathing baby. Like we think that's cute, but that's actually a sign that there's a problem. So there's so much to learn on this topic. There's so many things to dive into here in terms of how people can learn more about their children, about their babies and how they're different from each other in order to help them sleep and thrive in their day-to-day lives. And in turn, of course, helping them to thrive too. So is there anything in particular you have coming up that you're excited about? I feel like you mentioned something before, but I just want to make sure we have it all covered. Yeah. So I, my sleep coach programs for parents are always open. I just limit the number of clients. So, but I have students to pass you on too. So that works. I'm starting my sleep coach school again in the next couple of months. We haven't actually picked a date, but it will be on my website for probably December or January, somewhere in there where we'll launch another group and really excited because these people who take my course always become close friends and we develop a relationship and, you know, they, they really appreciate having someone to kind of push them from the backside, you know, know, like, you're going to do this, you're going to be great and and be there for them to work through, you know, mindset problems and figure out their businesses. And yeah, it's it's really, it's a fun thing to help people start their own business and I guess light a fire under that passion. Mm -hmm. And I could see how passionate you are for this. You've been doing this for some time. You have your own children. And um, I love that you're just an expert in this field because it's so unique. It's so rare, but it's so needed uh, in this in this world. So thank you so much for the work that you do. I love our conversation. And I don't know, you're gonna have to come back on so we can dive deeper. (laughs) Yeah, happy to do that. There is so much to talk about. It's so much. Thank you so much, Meredith for coming on. And yeah, we just so value you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the She's a God podcast. Tune in next Thursday for a brand new episode. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. I would love to hear from you. Follow me on social media at this is Jen Torres for all of the latest. And remember, she is a God, and so are you. Thank you.